All right, welcome in. Cube Show podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you on Sundays. It's uh, about 6.30 Sunday night. Going to try to get this thing out for you before tomorrow. I was in Baton Rouge over the weekend. Had an excellent time. Always cool being around that program, being in that stadium. It's just a special place. And obviously uh, talking to some of those coaches, that staff as well. Um, and then even more cool, honestly, to just be a part of an Army football game broadcast. Um, talking to Coach Munkin, meeting some other members of that staff, talking to some of the players. They are just beyond impressive, every single one of them. And uh, we had a chance to sit down with Connor Finucane, offensive lineman, who was just unbelievable. Um, really impressive kid. Had a chance to talk with uh, Leo Lowen, uh, a linebacker who wants to go into special forces. Hearing their story, talking to them is absolutely remarkable. Uh, so uh, always going to share a little bit more about the game that I did with you guys and just give you some more insight. Uh, as you know, we're brought to you each and every week by Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. You guys can pick them up at your local grocery store. If you need recipes, go to their Instagram at Wickles Pickles. WicklesPickles.com. You can order them, have them drop ship. Use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E, save 15%. A lot of you guys are tweeting in pictures. Keep doing that. Um, by the way, go follow us on Twitter at Cube Show, at Instagram at Cube Show. Please like and subscribe to the YouTube right now and like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get yours, we always appreciate you tuning in and listening. Um, one thing quickly about Army that I wanted to get to, and yeah, I'm going to cheat a little bit and use my notes. Um, I had a chance to meet their assistant offensive line coach, Mike Vitti. Um Mike played fullback at, at Army. We talked about this a little bit on the broadcast, but it's just it's such an incredible story that I want to share a little bit more of it. Um, four varsity letters, graduated from West Point in 2008. He would go on uh, to serve uh, in the Army in Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. Also, by the way, while he was in school, 91 carries, 321 yards, three touchdowns, 30 catches, 198 yards. He started 38 games. Um, now... He was also a regimental commander when he was in the Army, and he was voted team captain, and he said he almost didn't accept the regimental commander post because he didn't want it to affect his team captain status because he just knew that both needed all of his attention. Again, just overly impressive, unbelievable. Regimental commander, is there's only four of those at West Point. You're, over, you're in charge of about 1,000 cadets at that point, and when he goes on to explain this to me, he says, Cole, you got to understand – when I was regimental commander, we were at war. So we weren't, there were no fun and games. Like we weren't preparing guys to be able to go out into the real world or preparing guys to, if they were to go to war one day, like these guys three to six months after I was uh, over them were all of a sudden in battle, in combat. He said, it's a real deal, it's serious business. Um, hearing that, incredible. 2019, he was the Armed Forces Merit Award associated, uh, that's awarded by the Football Writers Association. Um, he also was AFCA Assistant Coach of the Year in 2019. He's coached fullbacks, offensive line. He's been assistant head coach. He's handled alumni and high school relations. Um, Connor Finucan, offensive tackle, told me, I would not be at Army if it weren't for Mike Vitti. The guy's incredible. He said he is the cultural heartbeat of our football team. And what was funny is when you see him, like he looks like an old school fullback. Uh, Jordan comes down on the field and I'm telling him about him. He's like, where is this dude? And I'm like, you'll know him when you see him because he literally looks like a fullback out of central casting for a movie. And uh, he was a platoon leader in Afghanistan and uh, he earned a bronze star and earned a combat action badge, retired as a captain from the army. And in 2014, 
he starts Mike's Hike for Heroes. He walked one kilometer for every service member that was killed in action in the global war on terror. Mike walked 7,100 kilometers. That's 4,400 miles. Took him 232 days. He went from Washington to Baltimore for the Army-Navy game, which is where it ended. Um, just unbelievable. And to hear him talk about uh, Connor Fanuke and, and what he meant, just meeting those guys and being around them, it's, it's, unbe- it's unreal. And it just gives you a whole different sense of what they do and how they do it. And it was cool because he's like, man, I respect the SEC. I talked to him for a while before the game on the field. He's like, I respect the SEC so much. I love the SEC. He's like, seeing this place, Tiger Stadium, what it's about, what the fans think of it. He said, but he said, you got to understand – He's like, we love football, and I love playing football. It made me who I am. He said, but football at West Point is a vehicle. It's just a small vehicle to assist in everything else that you are going to become. And I thought it was pretty wild to hear him explain it that way. He's like, so you think giving up a sack or fumbling the football is kind of a big deal? He's like, but then you start realizing it's not as big a deal as some of the things that you're going to have to endure and deal with and train for and be ready for later in life. So I'm thankful to all those service men and women, appreciate every single one of them and have so much respect for those service academies. It was the first time that a service academy played in Tiger Stadium. LSU went out of their way to do some extra things, painted the end zone, uh, you know, staff and they had different warm-up shirts on, um, just kind of trying to show some respect. And I thought that was pretty cool. Brian Kelly takes it very serious. Something that means a lot to him. Told us a story that, um, when he was the head coach of Central Michigan, he took the guys up when they played Army a day early so they could watch them march and watch them go through their day just because he wanted them to see it. The two teams saying they're alma maters together on both sides. It was pretty cool. Uh, so it was kind of special just to be around it. And the game didn't go the way that Army wanted to. 62-0. LSU gets to 6-2. Jaden Daniels goes 11-15, 279. Three touchdowns, no picks in the first half. Brian Thomas, 3-for-122, two touchdowns. And Malik Neighbors, 4-for-121 and two touchdowns. Thomas is just a mismatch. Neighbors is a mismatch in different ways. I believe a couple of things make this team very different. Are they going to be difficult to defend? Yes. Is there a perfect way to do it? No, there's not. But I think the Malik Neighbors catch and run factor is something that makes them next level difficult to defend. We talked to Mike Dingbroth, the offensive coordinator, and he told us something pretty cool, and it was basically the amount of catches they had last year with their backs to the end zone. And you think about that, and it's, it's kind of common sense, but we just don't talk about it much. And then he said, this year we have completely flipped the percentage of catches that we have going towards the end zone and with our back to the end zone than what they were a year ago. Told us how Jaden Daniels has worked his rear end off just to become a guy that can get through the full progressions and understands the full field and all the reads that go with it. I mean, we know what kind of dynamic runner he is. It's just it's going to be a massive challenge for Alabama in two weeks. Uh, I do think being at home gives them a big advantage. And some of the things that Alabama did give them a big advantage. Um, you know, so Emory Jones didn't play at tackle. Uh, I am pretty impressed with Lance Hurd, though. Bit of a backbender, gets his weight out on his toes a little bit. He needs to be a little more flexible in the lower body, but he's a massive human being. And he moves extremely well. He's got a big, solid punch. When he gets his hands on you, it is over. Uh, I thought the offensive line played well. Der- Dellinger and Turner played pretty good inside. I thought Will Campbell had a nice game. And the other thing that makes this team different, I think, is Logan Diggs. And then I love uh, love watching the young back play, Caleb Jackson. Boys, he put together massive quads, just big, big trunk. 
Like you can see why he's so dynamic and why he can run people over. Um, but that north-south rushing attack, especially with what like Connor Gilbraith has added at tight end, that's where they've changed. And they offer that to go along with everything that Jaden Daniels can do. So it's going to be a tough matchup for anybody. I'm wondering if the defense, though, has really taken this big turn that a lot of other people believe that they have. I just don't know. I think adding Pete Jenkins has been huge. I think going to more four down has been better. Mason Smith down inside, really good for that team. I think he's more at home. His pad level's getting a little bit better. He's using his hands better. That's one thing Pete's great at teaching. Um, Jordan Jefferson deserves some more credit on this team, by the way. He does a great job inside of just disrupting. Now, he doesn't have all the TFLs and sacks that some other guys might have, but he disrupts. He changes plays for that defense on a regular basis, and I just don't think in a lot of – I don't think there's a ton of people that really talk about like what he's done or what he does uh, on a regular basis for that group. So I think he deserves some credit for that. Uh, Zai Alexander gets banged up. So Makai Wingo doesn't go. Emory Jones doesn't go. Zai Alexander gets dinged. Like they're going to have to be healthy. They got a week off for Alabama. Those are some big injuries. Don't know exactly who's going to be available, what it's going to look like. But LSU looks fantastic and uh, looks like they're figuring some things out on defense. Uh, the early game, Mississippi State 7, Arkansas 3. Uh, low score in SEC game since the 3-2 Auburn-Mississippi State game. Wow. Or fewest points in a win, I guess I should say. Uh, Mike Wright, 8 of 12, 85 yards. I thought Kevin Barbet did a really good job of tailoring the game plan to Mike Wright. And I understand he's a different guy, a different set of plays, but some of the other things that they did I thought really assisted in him being able to find some success. Uh, speaking of success, Manscaped can help you be successful keeping your body in check and doing the things that you need to do. When it comes to sports, it's important to know ball and manscape. Boy, do they know balls. So at the peak of ball season, we're introducing the brand new lawnmower 5.0 ultra takes your grooming precision to a whole new level. I've got one of these. I can tell you it's fantastic. It makes it a lot easier to just manage yourself and keep yourself looking good. We all know football is a game of inches, but manscape knows grooming is a game of millimeters with advanced grooming tools like the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, you can tackle any hairy situation and come out looking like an MVP. Also, inside this bundle, Made for Balls features the new Weed Whacker 2.0, an ear and nose trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop soother toner, and two free gifts that are coming your way. With all that and a bag of Ballmark chips, there's no reason not to put your game face on and give it a go. Playoffs are no joke. Neither is this deal from Manscaped. Make all the right calls now with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code CUBE. We got balls and beard trimmers, but mostly balls there at Manscaped. So they know how to handle that, and they'll help you with yours. All right, uh, Mississippi State gets to four and three. I thought Mike Wright did some good things. Obviously, he can run the ball. We know that he's capable of doing that. He's one of their most dynamic playmakers. I still want to see Tulu Griffin get more, more touches. I think he had five touches in this game. That's just not enough. He needs more. Um, Justin Robinson, massive catch late. They've been waiting on him to do more of that. Still probably would like more of it, but he had a big one at a big moment in that game. That was huge. Um, also, I think Woody Marks, man, I love the way he runs the ball, and I know it was only 17 for 42, but, God, he ran hard. The offensive line did a pretty good job with the stretch stuff. Keep in mind, that's a, that's a good front for Arkansas. You know, I thought Landon Jackson had another good game. I thought 9 and 50 inside did some good things for that Arkansas defensive line. They disrupted at times and, and thought overall, like the two linebackers, like Chris Paul Jr., phew, flying. 
making plays. We know 28 can burn. You hear me talk about him every week. He was all over the place making plays. Um, I thought Travis had a pretty good plan for that group. It was just a couple of plays here and there that they got that State, you know, that Arkansas couldn't find a way to get offensively. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, Antonio Harmon, tight end 81 for Mississippi State, did some really good things. Um, he's a pretty good blocker. He's coming into his own. He's going to really help that group. They rushed 36 times for 120 yards. Um, it wasn't consistent. It wasn't great. It wasn't pretty. But, folks, you needed to win bad in a major way, in a really bad way, and you got one. Take that, be happy, build on it, move forward. I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like in the future. I don't know everything else that's going to happen. But I know you got a guy in Woody Marks that runs his ass off. I love Woody Marks as a lead blocker, by the way. Watch him when he doesn't get the football. And this is something Kevin Barbet told us a while back. We had them against Arizona, and he said, Woody Marks is our best football player when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Not saying they don't want it in his hands. It's just he does all the things he's supposed to do. He attacks people when he's blocking. And it's fun to watch because he's not that big in stature. Um, offensively for Arkansas, just nothing. Uh, KJ couldn't get going. 19 for 31, 97 yards. No touchdowns and a pick. Um, I do think Rashad DeBinion can add some things. I think he's got a, a nice future. He's a little more elusive. He's quick. He's got good twitch. Um, we know Andrew Armstrong can make plays. Ty Washington had a catch. He did some good things. But consistently, there was no rushing attack to lean on. Uh, they tried a little more quarterback run. I think that helped a little bit. But this is, I mean, this performance is why your offensive coordinator is gone. And now you're going to bring in somebody different to call plays. I don't know from a continuity standpoint how much that helps. But I do think that there are some folks inside that building that have an understanding of what the quarterback's good at and think he needs to be doing more of it. And possibly you now get that. So we'll see. Um, the Arkansas offensive line did not play well. Um, I thought 22 played really good football inside for Mississippi State. I thought he did some good things. Um, Bookie Watson, whether he was blitzing, playing off the ball, great again. Jet Johnson had another nice game. The front for State was active, caused some problems here and there, and some of that was by design. Some was just individually. Like I said, 22, strike and shed, did a really nice job kind of mucking things up inside and not allowing the run game to get going. This was just an ugly game in general. I don't know what else to tell you guys. Um, I'm not going to tell you either plan was great. Defenses were active. Um, but if you're Mississippi State, just take the win, be above 500, move on. There are a couple winnable games on that schedule, and you might be able to become bowl eligible. And then I think you just sort of look to the future from there on. Um, Ole Miss 28, Auburn 21, games at Jordan-Hare. Ole Miss does not play well. It wasn't a clean game. Uh, you give Auburn credit for making a couple of plays here and there. Um, I thought the run game, most of it was – by design, creating space, finding different ways. But Jarquez Hunter did a great job. There was even times he's kind of slithering through a very small crease, making a cut, making a bounce, and then all of a sudden finding more yards. Uh, 15 for 91, caught three balls for 54 yards. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I still think he needs more, more touches. Like, I don't think that was enough for him. Um, Bravado Fairweather, five for 31, made some contesting catches, which you're going to have to have. And I want to kind of go back to what we talked about with LSU for a moment. Notice when you watch the Auburn highlights or Auburn play, if you see the game again, back to the end zone making catches. It's almost all of them, almost every single one. They had 363 yards after the catch coming into this game. Coming into this weekend, Georgia led the SEC with 1,383. So more than 1,000 more. Auburn was last in the SEC, 121st in college football coming into the weekend. There are no yards after the catch. 
There is no anticipation with a lot of these throws. Got to find a way to create some explosives. And they just couldn't do it. I thought Zero played good inside. Josh Harris for, for Ole Miss thought he did some good things. Uh, Yuku on the outside uh, was pretty nice. Pass rushing and setting the edge. Two did a good job rushing the passer off the edge for Ole Miss. Set the edge nice. Did some good things out there. I thought Xavion Miller for Auburn played fairly well at tackle. He did some good things. Didn't get a ton of snaps, but when he was in, he played hard and looked better than he did earlier in the season. The big story was Connor Liu coming in uh, at center. Avery gets injured. He comes in. And I'm going to tell you what, man, 75 can play. Hands inside on almost every play. He understands the angles, like runs his feet, plays hard. He was fantastic in his combo box up to the second level, getting the linebackers. I was really impressed with Connor Liu, the freshman center for Auburn. Like, I think they got a guy there now. I would expect him to probably be in that lineup moving forward. You can build with him. And left tackle had a good game. He, he did some nice things. They just had... They didn't have a lot of guys getting beaten past pro. The right guard struggled for Auburn, and he got beat a couple of times. But most of it was just recognition and, and free runners. Like, you can't give a free runner up in the A-gap, man. Like, running through the A-gap, that, that, it can't happen. It's unacceptable. Um, I don't know how you manage the quarterback thing moving forward. You put Robbie in, you give him more options to run, and then some of it's just running straight to the sideline. That's not what it is. And then you still have issues with Peyton Thorne getting the ball out of his hand. So it's just six, one, half dozen, the other. Like, which, which flaw weighs the least? And do you want to try to carry around the most? Because you're going to have one with either guy. It's frustrating. On the flip side of that, uh, I thought Caleb Warren, Ole Miss center, had a really nice game. I thought Jackson Dart showed you he can be a playmaker and not, not throwing the football. Like, design runs, he's got it. Leaving the pocket, making a throw, he's got it. Leaving the pocket to make a run, he's got it. Manipulating the pocket, he did a really good job with all of those things. I was impressed with his game. 10 to 17, 202, a touchdown and a pick. Judkins got going, 21 for 124. And Ole Miss, here comes Charlie Weiss and Lane Kiffin mixing the match in the run game just a little bit more. So now you saw an, a one-back, no tight end, kind of counter power, a little gap scheme run. They pull the backside tackle around, a little different mix on that out of a different formation. Saw the lead toss a couple of times, and then you saw sort of the, the switch swap counter that they have that they ran against Georgia Tech two years ago. You got some of that in. So they're still putting little wrinkles in that are keeping defenses at bay. And one thing they do such a good job of in that old Miss rushing attack here over the last few weeks is they take the same play, but they make it look 20 different ways. Whether that's because what they had a lot of in this game, inside zone or duo, but they would insert the tight end. Well, they've been split zoning the tight end almost the entire time. Now they insert him in between the line of scrimmage, and some of the Auburn linebackers didn't play it really well. Eugene Asante played great football. Thought he played extremely well. Boy, having zero back out there for that Auburn defense, big. Because you saw a kid that, that, I mean, not long off surgery, putting his body on the line, flying around out there, banging into people from the secondary. It was good to see that as well. Was impressed with him. Trey Harris, big game for Ole Miss. Um, you know, I thought Auburn up front got out of position a little bit. Uh, I thought the linebackers were active but missed a lot. And because you see linebackers either too close to the line of scrimmage or misfitting run plays, and that's when Judkins takes it from an eight-yard run to a 30-yard run. And that happened multiple times for that Auburn defense. So Auburn goes to three and four. Ole Miss goes to six and one. And they get Vandy this weekend. We'll be on the call for that one. Looking forward to getting back to Oxford. All right. Uh, Alabama takes out Tennessee 34-20. to 
And before I tell you about Alabama, let's talk about fabric life insurance. Life insurance, one of those conversations that you don't want to have the you don't want to have it, but you need to have it. You need to remember that all those life insurance ads you hear on the radio when you were a kid, probably not because that was your parents. You said, I'm not worried about that, don't need it. Now you're the parent. And now is the time to get life insurance to help protect your family. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it easy and quick to get a high quality policy so your family is covered. If the unexpected happens. Now as a parent, you've had to learn so many new life skills to provide for your family. All these different things that you had, laundry, meal plan, uh, even for the pickiest eaters that we know some of our kids are. And now you have to learn how to protect your family's financial future. Fabric by Gerber Life provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs, offering high quality term life insurance policies, plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fall's all about back to school and back to routine checklists. The most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance, Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric designed by parents, for parents, to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. So you can get your personal quote in just 10 minutes. Apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online to fit your schedule. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com cube. Meetfabric.com slash cube. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, so Alabama 34, Tennessee 20. Alabama 7 and 1. Tennessee goes to 5 and 2. Uh, I thought the Alabama team did a great job adjusting at halftime, came out like a different team after half. The, the scoop and score fumble was the play of the game. Watch Chris Braswell's hands on that play, by the way. Jimmy Brumbaugh used to do this to me all the time. I think he actually goes like palms up and they're like palm on palm. Jimmy Brumbaugh used to grab my wrists and push my arms up and it was one of the most frustrating things that an offensive lineman can have done. Either way, it's elite handwork by Braswell to be able to do that, get the hands off from John Campbell and then get around, knock Joe Milton down, ball comes out, Jihad Campbell takes it back for the touchdown. Probably the difference in the game. I know a lot of you guys want to talk about calls and penalties and no calls and this and that and guys that have chokeholds, whatever. I don't do that shit on this show. I'm sorry. I'm not a penalty vulture. It's not what we talk about. I tell you what I see on film. All right. Did it impact the game? Yes. It impacts every game. There were plays to be made on the field for Tennessee. They left plays out there. There were drops. There were protections that weren't picked up. They had a, a, an A-gap blitzer that runs free right at their quarterback. Can't happen. Can't allow it. You had some balls down the field that were there that were missed by the quarterback. I thought quarterback did some good things. Q run was huge. I mean, he absolutely trucks Malachi Moore. Puts his shoulder down multiple times. I respect that about Joe Milton. I love the physicality when you come out there showing people that you're not going to back down and you'll do anything you can to win. I love that. There were some throws he needed to hit that he missed. I thought he did a great job in the first half taking free grass. The plays that were there, he took them. Quick hitters. Boom, boom, boom. Take those, let your playmakers play, make plays. There wasn't a ton of run after catch for Tennessee. Usually there is. Run game couldn't get going for Tennessee. Had a couple here and there, but there weren't the big 60 and 80 yard runs like you see almost weekly from this offense. Tennessee offensive line played hard. I thought they strained. I thought they played aggressive. They just went against a really good group. And a lot of times it didn't always work out. I thought Sprague has played really hard, played a pretty good game. I thought Cooper Mays played hard. Doesn't mean they balked everybody on every play. I just thought they'd give great effort. I thought Mincy had a couple of misses that were huge, that were big. Once again, some of it was just recognition. There's a back here and there just looking around, not making a block. 
So little things like that, I think, came back to really haunt Tennessee and bite them in this game. And it's not like Alabama's offense just marched up and down the field. That front was giving them problems early. But the one thing that I did notice about the Tennessee defensive line, off the edge, great. James Pierce did some really good things. I mean, he he did what Alabama's D-line did to A&M's, or a couple have done, because Tennessee did it to A&M too, where basically the, the tackle, offensive tackle sacks the quarterback, driving it back into him. But where was he in a couple of bigger plays in the second half? I don't know if there was an injury stat. I don't know what happened, but I know there were some big plays that I'm watching, and he wasn't there. I don't. That's we need him on the field. Um, but the Tennessee edge defenders, like 19, had a big hit on the quarterback. So I thought they did a pretty good job. Tyler Barron moving around. However, some of the interior guys not as active. Uh, a couple of the D tackles for Tennessee got pushed around a little bit in this game, and that allowed Alabama's rushing attack to get going. Jace McClellan, really nice north and south, and I thought Tommy Reese did a good job of mixing up the run game just a little bit more. You saw some split zone. You saw some duo, duo with a splitter coming across. They kind of mixed and matched a few things and really got that thing going north and south, and a lot of the reason they did is because there was that push at the line of scrimmage. And that's where Alabama's offensive line got better in the second half. And then I think Tommy didn't have to put him in a lot of those stressful situations where he had to drop back and spend time in the pocket. And that helped offset the pass rush. Also, some of the design quarterback runs from Alabama I liked. A couple of different wrinkles there from Tommy Reese. They're going to have to have that against LSU if they're going to win that game because they cannot let that thing turn into a track meet. Alabama cannot beat LSU in a track meet. It's not going to happen. They have to control the tempo of the game, slow it down, minimize the possessions, and find a way to get turnovers. I thought uh, Deontay Lawson played like his hair was on fire. I thought Jihad Campbell played like his hair was on fire. Kool-Aid McKinstry had a good game. A lot of guys on that defense played well. And again, there were plays to be made for Tennessee. Uh, you can say flags if you want. I get it. Just understand, that's not my thing. I don't go there. But I'll say this. Alabama made plays when they had to make plays. Tennessee did not make the plays in the second half. Tennessee felt like they were in control of that game in the first half. Alabama took control back in the second half. They get to 7-1. and one. Um, Trying to think just how to explain why things were so different. Alabama, by the way, still got to protect the football. And that was one thing they didn't do a great job of in this game, and that's got to get better. Um, all right, so... Alabama LSU, one that I think is going to be a phenomenal game. Jordan, and I talked about it after the game. He asked me the question, like, how can you defend this LSU offense? Like, who's going to? I think Braswell and Turner have to get home. Uh, I think Tim Keenan's got to get home. I think Justin Aboigby's got to get home. And that's a good LSU offensive line. But if you're starting a different true freshman at right tackle, does that make a difference? I don't know. Maybe. Um, if you have another corner that doesn't play, does that make a difference? Possibly. If one of your better defensive tackles doesn't play, that hurts your rotation. You're already thin there as it is. So, yeah, and now if Alabama's going to try to go right at you, it makes a difference. But that tempo has to belong to Bama in that game. It has to go the way that they want it to go. Um, prize picks can get you going where you want to go. Think about this. Largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Easiest, most exciting way to play fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings just roll in. All right, so here's what you can do. Prize picks, the most fun I've had. Went up to 25 times your money this football season. 
You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Testing my skills on prize picks this football season is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you got the skills, you can turn 10 bucks into 250 bucks easy. Just a few taps. Prize pick, really simple to play. Make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, enormous selection of players and stat types that are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Now, prize picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. And with the prize picks reboot policy, your entries stay in even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Don't need to read all that. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, prize picks is fantastic. You need to go check them out. Uh, players and stat types you're selecting. Your winnings are going to come in. You're going to have a fun time. Go to pricepicks.com cube. Use promo code cube, C-U-B-E, and your first deposit gets matched up to 100 bucks. So today, pricepicks.com cube, or go to the app, search price picks, download that. Put 100 bucks in with promo code cube. They're going to match it. You have 200 bucks to play either Sunday night football, Monday night football, or college football coming up this week, and you can get that going. Price picks, easy, daily, fantasy, football, go win. You're going to love it. All right. Finally, Missouri and South Carolina. Mizzou gets to seven and one. This was a it was thirty four to twelve, and I'm just going to tell you based on the film a more a more impressive performance than they're going to get credit for. Uh, Javon Foster struggled first couple series, then he got going. Armand Mimbu, people need to talk about him as one of the better tackles in college football. He was dominant in this game. Uh, Brett Norfleet, tight end, great job blocking for this Missouri offensive line and helping them out. Uh, Cody Schrader goes 26 for 139, or 159, two touchdowns. They had the stretch play going. I thought when I watched the film, it would just be stretch play, stretch play, stretch play. It wasn't it. It was more than that. It was more than just the stretch play. Uh, what they'll do is they'll run the stretch play, and then they'll cut off the backside, and they'll hit like a duo inside. Or they'll run a gap scheme and hit north and south quickly. So they get that defense flowing, and then they hit you north and south. Luther Burden, big catch in the end zone for a touchdown. Four for 90 and a touchdown for him. Mookie Cooper was great. The catch and run with Mookie Cooper. You hear me talking about catch and run with some of these teams, not some of these teams. Missouri has it with multiple guys, and Mookie Cooper is really good at it. Um, so for South Carolina, the offensive line, you get another guy dinged up. Xavier Leggett gets dinged up. There goes your go-to target. Trey Knox did a couple good things. I did think Mario Anderson ran the ball hard. But you just don't have an up, up front against this group. And like Hopper was playing well. Uh, Chuck Hicks was playing well. Darius Robinson, uh, him chasing down the screen, big zero from the nose guard position one time was amazing to see. Johnny Walker off the edge. This is an aggressive front that was playing hard. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, I don't mean this overly negative for one side. Missouri looked like they were playing with their volume on 10. South Carolina's looked like it was on six or seven. Like, just the overall, all of it just looked different. Missouri was just, they had more caffeine before this game than South Carolina did. Like, that's the way it appeared on film. And I know you had a couple things go your way that didn't help out. Missouri outrushes South Carolina 220 to 69. <sighs> it's just rough. Is all it was. Uh, Rattler 23 of 42, 17. No touchdowns in a pick. He doesn't have time to set up. He doesn't have time to get things going. It just, it was kind of an ugly performance for South Carolina. But I'm going to tell you, man, Missouri, I love the way they set up this offense. 
It's not just run a couple of plays here and there. It's not like what we've talked about with Bama leading into this weekend, this potpourri of plays, and you just call stuff and then take your deep shots. It is like we talk about teams with free grass and taking that free grass. Missouri makes their free grass. Like they make you go take the free grass back because it's not just there by alignment. Some of it's there by play design. Some of it's there by personnel. Some of it's there by alignment. Like they are doing, Kirby Moore is doing an amazing job with this offense. And like you saw a little more quarterback run in this game from Brady Cook by design. One leaving the pocket that was a nice run. But they're just showing you all these different things that they're going to be able to utilize. It's going to make them more difficult to defend coming up. And that defense attacks, man. They get after you. They are fun to watch. It's a fun, fun weekend of college football. Light day in the SEC. Another light weekend next week. So pod not going to be as long. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you so much. We're just going to tell you what we see on the film each and every week. Share stories from where we've been and what we did. But I always appreciate you guys being with us. We're also sponsored by Blue Delta Jeans. Go to BlueDeltaJeans.com. Get the most comfortable denim you've ever had at BlueDeltaJeans.com. You'll see me wearing them on Read and React tomorrow night on the SEC Network, 6 p.m. Monday nights with Roman Harper. We're going to have a lot to talk about. It's going to be fun. Uh, but if you want custom-fit denim, premium denim, stretchy, not too hot, flexible, denim you can dress up, dress down, wear anywhere, go to BlueDeltaJeans.com right now. Give them to size you up. Christmas right around the corner, gift certificate for the holidays. You can get that done at Blue Delta G. Once again, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show, and we'll be back next week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.